Welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. This is a weekly show where we watch romantic comedies from Netflix. And Netflix is kind of... They're morphing and changing. <laughs> we knew this would happen occasionally, but uh, this is... I don't know. Explain it, Ashley. Uh, this is the first time that they have actually added movies behind the movies that we've already watched. Um, so we've kind of come across, uh, well, what we've decided to do is to go through the movies that they've added and see if there's actually an important, historically ro- uh, important romantic comedy. Um, so they added a whole bunch of Frank Sinatra movies now. Um, so we had three that were added behind us and one was, um, an Oscar nominee. So we felt that it was important to watch it and critique it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be watching, instead of How to Marry a Millionaire, we're going to be watching 1949's On the Town. It's a little, it's a little jump in our TARDIS backwards, but yeah. not by much. Not by much. No, not by much. It's like a year. Two uh, years. Two years. Four years. So <laughs> it's um, an hour and 37 minutes long. The description goes... Three sailors on leave and ready for fun are determined to make the most of their 24 hours in New York City in this Oscar-winning musical comedy. Nice. Now, you've never been to New York City. You've never had to have 24 hours to just do everything you possibly can. No. Never had that. have had that experience. I've had that in Chicago. When mm-hmm. I first went to Chicago... We did 24 hours uh, on a school trip, and that was that. that. So I don't know how similar that is, as Chicago is vastly different than New York, I'm assuming. I feel like, depending on, you'd want to do more of the touristy stuff in New York. I actually, we were going to go there into the city for a day recently, and we did plan a day to do as much things as we could because drew had never been there so we wanted to go see like the library from ghostbusters and the the plaza hotel you know and grand central park and like, yeah do we do all the things that are kind of manhattan's easy to easy to do and in, in a way that you can just circle around it and hit up everything my mom likes to end the night at serendipities for the frozen <laughs> hot chocolate like we, we have like a plan like there's FAO Schwartz, and this is that, you know. I like to go to the village, or if we're going to um, Strawberry Fields, mm-hmm. you know. It's 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 pretty contained where you can do fun stuff and say You can't, like, um, if you wanted to go, like, to Statue of Liberty, that's like, oh, you do that. <laughs> and, like, maybe something else. Yeah, go up the um, Empire State Building or something, you know. But if you want it, there are, there are lots of things you can hit up. The smaller things that I like to do in my 24 hours in New York City. Oh, look at you. You got a plan. So these are our sailors who are looking for fun, so they're probably looking for, for gals. Yeah. That's what looking for fun means. That is a col- colloquialism. I think it's cool. I wanted to watch this because, I mean, the, the musical is still on Broadway. They, they still performed it at last year's Tony Awards, the main song. Yeah, it's been around for a really long time it's not and they haven't changed it mm-hmm. like you see a lot of musicals where they they alter it or they they add stuff to it or change the setting to kind of reinvent it but yeah this was one that has been running since the 40s at least but i haven't seen the play i haven't seen the movie all i know is the one song new york new york <laughs> i think 
Uh, the correct words, different tune. Ha! <laughs> but yeah, it's starring Gene Kelly, Frank mm-hmm. Sinatra, and Betty Garrett. It was directed by Stanley Donan. Donan? Do- Donan? Yeah. I don't know. It's D-O-N-E-N. So we're just gonna go with Donan. I think it's Donan. Yeah. Sounds better than Donan. Yeah. And after three days on Netflix, it has a rating of four stars. Yeah, but all the movies did. <laughs> oh, yeah, they did. This is, like, Netflix, like, general thing. It just, like, it throws up. Yeah. It's like, eh, we're just gonna... But it was, there were ratings, and, I don't know, the two that first came up were good. I don't know. Well, I feel like people who watch it are gonna like it. Okay. I feel like it, if it's if it's lasted this long on Broadway... Mm-hmm. It's gotta have a good story. It's gotta have at least a decent story, or at least decent songs. Yeah, I could see that. So... Um, it was a 1950 Academy Award winner for Best Musical Score and was a 1951's BAFTA's nominee for Best Film. Nice. So, uh, this is our first mm-hmm. biggin. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, uh, sorry for all the fans who wanted to hear, uh, how, how, to, to, be marry, a, how to marry a millionaire, how to be a millionaire. How to marry someone you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, that'll be next week. Is this Surprise! Special edition! <laughs> Let's watch a movie. Woohoo! New York, New York! <laughs> okay, we just watched On the Town. On the Town. I always just want to call it New York, New York. I feel like that's what it should be called. <laughs> because the bigger number is called New... is That's the opening number and then the ending number. Yeah, yeah. But it's called On the Town. Yes. But there's a song called On the Town, isn't in there, isn't there? Yeah, it's at the beginning when they're on the uh, in the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah. It was an MGM film. Yes, this was quite good. It was in Technicolor. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it had some gorgeous opening credits. Yeah, they were, like, very pizzazzy and yeah. colorful. And... I was into it. For, I was like, <laughs> yes, I am here for this. <laughs> This is what we came here for. <laughs> this is what we pay money to Netflix for. Right. <laughs> My seven ninety nine a month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch. I do felt like, for me, it was strongest at the top. Like, it had high peak, and then, like, the it kind of got lower. But, like, not so far. Like, maybe at, like, the middle. It was strong. It had, like, a good plateau. And then, like, towards the end, it was just like, we don't know how to end this movie. It was just starting to get, like, down, a little boring. Um, and just, like, when they brought in the, like, um, you know, when the main character starts to feel, like, sad, has his low points, those are good. It's, like, it's, I'm glad that was in there. Because I feel like a lot of movies we watch lately don't have those strong low points. It's all yeah. kind of even keel for the main character. Especially the main guy. Yeah, the main guy is always just, like, fine and dandy, awesome guy. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, this, this time I was glad that there was, like, a real point of lowness, but that point is just where it kind of started to lose its pizzazz. I think it was because they try, they had, it's easier to do this in, like, a stage play where you have two acts? Where you have the two acts, or, well, even this could be three acts because they cut so much out. Um, from the actual play, but you have so many characters. Like, this is a very, on, this is, 
the six main characters. Mm-hmm. Whereas most movies are two. You only have, like, really two big main characters that are the central focus of the movie. So they were trying to... I think what made the beginning so good was that they gave each character its their own, like, time to kind mm-hmm. of express their wants and their... Right. And then towards the end, it's when they're all together all the time. Yeah, and you've already kind of lost... They've already, like, done what they've set out to do, so you've, you're kind of like, well, we don't... Where do we go from here right. at this point? Which is, I think, why they didn't know how to end the movie, or it felt like they didn't know how to end the movie, because it was very much, where do we go? Like, yeah. we've met everybody, everybody's happy, everybody's fine, so let's just throw in this bit with the, the cops... I feel like if the cops had been, like, a, a little bit of a stronger presence or the the, the chase mm-hmm. was stronger throughout, I think that would have been a better payoff. Right, yeah. There was definitely some muddling about there at the end that could have been... You could have brought the final action sooner. Yeah. And we would have not felt... Like, when your audience is feeling that where they, they don't know what's going to happen next, that's, that's a bad feeling. Yeah. Or they're not invested in what's happened next. It's not even that they know, because I wouldn't want my audience to completely know what's going to happen next. I think, well, the thing is, it's like an agreement with the audience of, like, you set up at the beginning this, this, and this, and the character's going to want this. This is the payoff. Yeah. So, like, the audience is reaching for that payoff. But, like, if they're not certain, kind of like the direction. If they're ever going to get that payoff. Yeah. Yeah. That's a feeling you don't want your audience to have. Like, Yeah, exactly. They're like, okay, where am I? But yeah, it had six people, which I initially thought that I was going to be confused and not know who anybody was. But I feel like I was pretty good about it, because he had Frank Sinatra, he was the thin guy. Yeah. Gene Kelly was the main guy, and then the other guy's the other guy. The yeah, third guy. yeah, the third guy. Uh, so you had, like, Gene, Frank, and the third guy. Yeah. That was easy. <laughs> and then you had, like, the, the funny girl... The, the pretty girl. And the um, the nerdy girl. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's where stereotypes work for you when you have a lot of characters. Yeah, because we didn't, there were, there is no character depth in this movie. It's just fun. It's, yeah. It's, you have to, you have to kind of be willing to, to not care about the background of these characters or yeah. to know anything really about them, but to That's just journey along. That's where tropes are useful. Yeah. Because when, when you present a trope, like, we as humans, like, fill in the blanks. Yeah. It's easy for that to, to happen. Especially now with there being... I think the problem that we have now is that they're overused. Yes. So it gets to the point where you... you you lose that illusion in mm-hmm. some way. You're like, ugh, well, we have to do this again. Yeah, movies today, even if they have, like, a, a ensemble cast, even if it isn't that much, they're using tropes where they don't need to, where they have, like, and then this is the woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, okay, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I where think you it... have, like, the scientist, the bad guy, and the woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah, and that's where it doesn't, I think it doesn't work. With this, I think, and the reason why I think it has lasted as long as it has or has been revived as many times is because it does those those tropes. It knows those, it knows it's playing on right. those tropes, so it's 
But you know what I, you know what I think actually helped with the tropes? All the women had jobs. Yeah, they did. That's actually something you don't see in current movies a lot. People, like, not have, like, you don't know what they do for a living or whatnot. Yeah, it was very well established Mm -hmm. that this is what they did, and they played off of that. I think, yeah, it helped knowing, like, that one little bit. Mm -hmm. You knew, you knew their characterization, their trope, but then you also knew this is what they did. Like, this is who they, you can associate who they are with what they do, essentially. Right. Right. So in that case, it's a little harder to distinguish the guys a little in their personalities, but they're, like, Navy guys, but you have, like... Yeah, it was a lot harder to get, like, the girls. Mm -hmm. It was different, because the girl you knew, like, right off the bat. Like, you were like, okay, she's... She's the nerdy girl. Yeah. She's the, the dorky girl or the, the um, sassy comedy girl. And then here's the, the pretty girl. You already had that up front, but because they got off the boat, or the guys got off the boat. They were like one unit. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> okay, here are the boys. We didn't even know their names until they met the girls. Yeah, and that's just, like, on an individual basis. Like, we yeah. learn their names, like, one at a time. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, a series of 20 minutes that we learned each of their names. Yeah. Which was different, because I think most of the time it, it it did it in a way where it put the guys in the background, almost. Where it kind of put the girls in, like, the forefront. Mm-hmm. Like, these were their... I like the ladies. I like them a lot. Yeah, they were really well done and well acted. They were um, funny. Oh, yeah. Hildy was a... a treat yes i like her i like her acting a lot i would love to see more of her yeah that's what i feel like with these movies we've been watching we know the guy you know we know Cary grant we know frank sinatra we like know these people but like the women i'm learning for the first time yeah i'm just like who what is rosalind russell been in you know like i can't you know yeah you you hear heard the name but it's not like synonymous with a thing like Frank Sinatra is you you know who he is you knew he was a singer you knew you know his nickname yeah just from growing up right and then you also know Cary Grant was just famous for comedy and then Gene Kelly is just right dancer extraordinaire yeah but I could not tell you like the last Cary Grant the last two well we know Ginger Rogers but his lead when um people will talk I cannot say I don't know her name Mm mm-mm it's just, I'm feeling like this is a trend of, like, oh, I know the leading guy, he's a famous guy, but he's often paired up with these women, which I'm sure back in the day, they knew them. Yeah. Because there weren't a lot to pull from. They were, you know, hired through the studios and whatnot. They came up through there. But, like, it doesn't translate to today. The same way that the guys do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what where that comes from. Well, I think it kind of plays into the whole, we have this assumption at least we've had this assumption for the last I guess 30 years that women are not funny that it's always the guys who are funny and I think the romantic comedies well not even the romantic comedies but the big comedies are always guy centric Mm -hmm. and especially now the ones that make like so much money is we don't think about girls being funny and that I think it kind of plays back to it always reminds me of the very first episode of Gilmore Girls there's this line um, that one of the mothers says to the the younger girls where it's like, boys don't like funny girls. And it's like, that is kind of where I think it kind of comes from is that women have this idea that we have to be the uptight kind of straight man in the comedy 
with the guy who's the outrageous kind of mm-hmm. fat guy funny because that's what we've seen. Like, we've had King of Queens. We've had, like, even in um, Family Guy, it's the, the fat guy with the, the Simpsons, skinny... Simpsons. Um, the Simpsons, yeah. Drew Carey show. Drew Carey show. All of that kind of plays into it, probably. And so it, we kind of lose these great comedians yeah. from this era. Yeah, like, I, I, what I took out of this is, like, I would definitely watch a movie with, um, Hildy and Claire. Ivy? Uh, not so much. Ivy wasn't in it enough, like, yeah. in it with she them enough. She was the enough. mystery girl. Yeah. But, like, those two, I'm like, who are these women? <laughs> they are amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I loved Claire's, like, dance number. Yes. I was like, who is this? Why don't we, you know, because whenever you think of tap dancing or... Um, that kind of stuff you think of Ginger Rogers. So mm-hmm. it's like, why don't we know this person? Because that's not Ginger Rogers. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, right. So I'm hoping with, we got a couple more, I think a couple more of these Frank Sinatra movies coming in the in the forward mm-hmm. years coming up. So I hope they we see these women again in there, maybe. I don't know. Well, it does seem like Frank Sinatra worked a lot with Gene Kelly. Yeah. Um, at least in his acting career. Yeah. And from what I've read of Gene Kelly, he typically stayed within his little inner circle because they knew how he... How he worked. How he worked, and he was comfortable around that. Yeah, I had seen that. I feel like when I was doing some research a while ago on, like, Singing in the Rain and his and Gene Kelly's choreography and stuff about him being very, very strict and working everybody really hard to get, like, perfect, perfect takes. And that, I think comes from his dancing background because that's that's true of I mean if you talk to a a, a ballerina or yeah. a, a balladeer that's their life like that's it is you have to be perfect on opening night you have to have these perfect shows going out and I think Gene Kelly kind of translated that very well into film where we don't really have a lot of this film we're doing it in Technicolor you have to get it right because we don't get another chance at it. And, and I, I honestly, I don't think he wanted to be made to look like a fool. No. It's his choreography. Yeah. You're representing him. Yeah, and I think he took dance, I mean, just from reading about... His dance background? His dance background and just dance, his love for dancing in general, he loved it and he wanted everyone around him to love it the same way. And for me, like, taking tap dance and everything, you always hear about gene kelly and that's that's who you kind of look up to from from that or just the the tap sequence and singing in the rain and how girls can do it in heels too backwards backwards yeah um and that's that's great and just like some of the quotes that he had were a little sexist but i also kind of saw where he was getting it from that because around this time there started to be that that paradigm shift in society where it was dancing was a girl's thing and men either needed to be this strong, masculine, kind of suave Fred Astaire kind of thing. And the way that he saw it was that he couldn't be Fred Astaire. He never thought he could be. He said that a top hat and a tux would look make him look silly. Mm. And so that... He always tried to to take dance and throw it into like into regular clothes or like regular blue collar. Wear. Yeah, blue collar dance because he was like that's who he was. Right. He's and, a guy from uh, Philly or wherever. Yeah, Philly, <laughs> and he's huge Philly Steelers fan apparently. 
That's what I've read on the Wikipedia page. But um, he wanted he wanted young boys to feel comfortable in dance. And mm-hmm. I think that's a very kind of... Uh, it kind of made him angry that people thought that dancing made boys effeminate or feminine or whatever because... It's so not true. It's so not true. And it kind of makes me... Like I was saying when we were watching it, it kind of makes me sad that guys don't dance like that anymore. Because it you saw how happy he was and every emotion that he was experiencing, you saw it in his body movement mm-hmm. and, and how he was expressing things. And it makes... It connects, I think, people more than just words. Because mm-hmm. I think we have this thing where we, we don't... We don't always trust words. We don't all, we're like, eh, words are words. But when you see somebody dance it and you see their emotion, you see like the true body language of things and we pick up on that. Yeah, and plus it's multicultural, it goes beyond. Yeah, it goes as far back as human history. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's sad that we have lost that kind of thing and I can understand where his anger came from, where, you know, he was being told oh, boys aren't supposed to dance or boys aren't supposed to do this. And so that's why he was, like, such a proponent in his later life of trying to get these dance programs set up for for boys so that they could feel the same way that it made him feel. And as much as I think some of those comments can come off as sexist because the Wikipedia page says this is kind of sexist, mm-hmm. it also, I understand it when you put it into that context of the time period. Yeah. And I think that's where we kind of, we we lose a lot of context with things sometimes, where we don't put that into perspective with, like, the whole, your fave is a problematic person or whatever. (laughs) And it's like, well, look at... Everybody's problematic. Everybody's got faults. Yeah, exactly. And flaws. And the good, the, the, as strict and as hard to work with as he may have been, he also wanted to do so much more and I think that speaks a million more miles than being hard to work with or being an asshole trying to leave like a lasting thing Mm -hmm. to me makes it makes it seem a little bit more like because if I have a son I want them to be able to experience whatever they want to experience or whatever they fall in love with without any type of judgment yeah plus I feel like you're gonna get a lot more exercise and control over your body and less pain yeah. Um, doing dance than, like, football. Mm-hmm. Football, you're just hurting your neck and head <laughs> over and over. And Dance, I know you're hurting your feet and everything else, but man. But it also, you can incorporate it into those, those hyper-masculine kinds of things. Like, I've heard of hockey players who took, you know, hockey goalies who've taken ballet classes just to get the flexibility down and just to kind of take it as the the exercise that it is and understanding like oh if I do this type of movement it could seriously hurt me or whatever and you get that in your training Mm -hmm. but I think you get the all-around understanding of your body a little bit more you connect with your body in a different way and I think you connect with your humanity too I was dancing a lot uh, during this movie viewing. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was a lot of fun. There were a lot of really, like, catchy tunes. And you also, you have Frank Sinatra, who has that really, like, strong, raspy kind of manly voice. Mm -hmm. First song is called, I Feel Like I'm Not Out of Bed Yet. 
Oh, yeah, with the dock worker guy. Yeah. Shipyard builder, as he's credited. (laughs) Yeah, that's how the movie opens, is we have a portly young man walking to work. Yeah, he looks like a construction worker. Yeah. He works on the docks. What I love, I love the the optical Oh, yeah, the, 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 like, I was blown away by the ticker tape opticals. You know, I was blown away by a lot of this film. I actually thought, I thought it looked more 60s than 50s. It definitely didn't have, and it wasn't even 50s, it was tail end of the 40s. So, it had, it it was definitely beyond Mm -hmm. what became of film. Like, it definitely, it looked like it could have came out around the same time of Singing in the Rain. Right, yeah, and that's how I felt about, like, His Girl Friday. Well, I like seeing these films that push their boundaries so hard that they look, like, two decades mm-hmm. ahead of where they were. Yeah, and, and this was... And I find them inspirational. And I think it was, I think it pulled people into the idea that musicals and the type of writing can kind of be translated, and people will enjoy it often more than if it had just been a stock, like movie re not even a movie recreation of the play but just a non-musical movie version of this play mm-hmm. what i was reading is that the fluidity of the camera mm-hmm. was still very new and how oh i believe it that we haven't was seen like any camera movement yeah just this, barely well we did have a few like in there this was, one yes yeah, there That's was a where... lot and it was because gene kelly was very stubborn and he was Like, no, if the camera is going to be with the dancer, it has to move. It has to be in the the movement of everything. Yeah, this is the first time we're really on location for things. Yeah. And again, that's because Gene Kelly was stubborn. And it's not just B-roll of on location, because we've had that, but this is like actual filming with the actors and playback and everything, dancing on location. Yeah. It's just insane. Well, and you could see the people in the background watching Mm -hmm. when they were dancing in Rockefeller Center. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, I wonder... That reminded me of uh, the scene in The Fisher King in the Grand Central Station. You see all the people yeah. up top watching as well. <laughs> I love those moments because you don't... It's not really... It's kind of like that suspension of disbelief kind of thing. But you could very well believe that people would be watching whatever is going on if oh, they yeah, see something. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. what you do in New York. Yeah. You people watch. There's lots of different people. Okay, let's talk about that optical, um, because it was a motif throughout the film. It was the ticker tape of the time. Yep. And so, since this movie takes place in 24 hours, we always knew what time it was. Yeah. Which was so good. I loved it. It was amazing. It was was amazing. It was a cute way to establish each shift. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, each character shift. I thought it it worked really well. Right. So we start out 5.30 a.m., and then as soon as 6 a.m. comes around, we get the two, and all the sailors come barreling off the ship. (laughs) All the randy men out for the New York ladies. Right. Um, so then it busts out the famous number of New York, New York. Um, and we meet our three guys. And like we said, they just, like, come out, like, as a unit. Yeah. They just walk out, they do their little, their choreography mm-hmm. throughout the thing, the, uh, the shipyard worker asks him, asks them what they're wanting to do, or, and then makes fun of them for wanting to try and see all of New York in 24 hours. Which they practically see all of New York in three hours. I know! 
<laughs> Which you have established that that does not work. No. Well, also, I feel like they have less traffic than plus less tourists and lines. Like, to do any of that stuff today, you'd spend at least, like, a couple hours just waiting in lines. I think that's how it is everywhere, though. Yeah. So, they they, they travel, they, seriously, they hit up all locations. They were shooting on location for nine days. Mm-hmm. So, they hit up everything you could think of in New York, from Chinatown to Washington Plaza. Like, they were actually on top of the Empire State Building at one point. In the opening, not later on. Right. They they were at uh, Liberty Island. That shot was really cool. Yeah. That that hero shot of them with the, the Statue of Liberty, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. They didn't go on Broadway, which kind of surprised me. I don't think it was... They uh, passed... Yeah, they didn't do Times yeah. Square. But Times Square was always developing as a place... They kind of show it in one of their um, rear projections when they're driving, yeah. but they actually were on the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh-huh. They were on the docks. Those were the real New York docks. Yeah. I mean, there's lots more stuff you can do in New York now. There's a lot more touristy things, but... Yeah. True. But the places like Rockefeller, Radio City Music Hall, those places... You go to them now, you go to them then, you know. Yeah, those have been there forever. Okay, so it's 9.30 a.m. and they're like, okay, now we need to find some ladies. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, we've seen the sights, let's go. <laughs> so they that go. That is their mission. It's their mission to the point, like, to the point where they have to try and convince Frank Sinatra's character that they have to do it. Because he just wants to see New York. Mm-hmm. Because his grandpa... Had been in New York. Yeah. It's just so weird, because they just saw, seriously, they just saw, like, every, no, they rode horses in, uh, um, Central Park. Central Park. Yeah. (laughs) Believe me, you did everything in the three hours. There's nothing else to see. Nothing has been built yet. (laughs) You're good. You're good. Go find a date. (laughs) Go find your chick. Okay, so they go into the subway, and they're trying to get uptown, and there's that cute, um, you know, train... The train joke. Train jokes where they're giant, they're like, hey, is this the way uptown? And the guy's like, Sir, you just need to... And then a train rumbles by and you can't understand the directions. And they're like, okay. And they go over to another guy like, is this the... Uptown station? Uptown station. They're like, what you need to do is... <laughs> and then another train, or another subway car goes by. So they just get on a train. <laughs> yeah, they get on a crowded train... Which obviously was on a studio. I'm sorry, it did not look like a train. No, no, no. All interiors are like studio. They, they were everything was shot in Hollywood except for like the definite New York. Yeah, the opening. Yeah, the opening and then the ending and a few other bits. Yeah, but everything else was on a stage here. Yeah, in Los Angeles, California, Hollywood. <laughs> So they're on the train, and a guy comes along to put up a sign for Miss Turnstiles. Miss Turnstiles. That's how they kept saying it, too. Miss Turnstiles. <laughs> and she just happens to be the perfect woman. Yeah. I love this, seg- I love this um, little segment, this little... The dance segment segment with her? Yes, I freaking loved it. It was very stagey, very, like... Uh-huh imagine it like right it was a way of showing the imagination without changing the color or without doing really anything i love it we're gonna watch strictly ballroom soon again we've already watched it (laughs) 
Okay. You know in Strictly Ballroom, they do that in there, too. And I just freaking love it. Oh, they do? Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's, a re- like, a reference to this. Yeah, Baz is, like, throwing it old school, I realize, in that movie now. Because don't they do something similar in Moulin Rouge? Mm. It's a bit more, like, CGI-y with the uh, elephant. Yes. It's not, I wouldn't really say it's like this, but it is, they miniaturize everything so it's kind of like a stage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just, and they do just a little bit of it. It's definitely that, like same theme but yeah baz baz loves the theater (laughs) well that's i mean the theater is awesome yeah um so i don't know it's this lovely um dance segment on a stage it's like you know cross dissolve like (laughs) and then they talk about selecting the perfect woman for miss turnstile and if you see all these women she's got to be smart she's got to be beautiful this that and then the perfect woman and it's it's, uh miss miss ivy Miss Ivy Smith. Miss Ivy Smith. And it goes and just shows her, I love this dance segment. i sorry, I just love it. Especially the athletic segment. Oh, yeah, where she was kicking the guy's the ass. choreography <laughs> of this. I was top-notch. My favorite. Oh, no, it was awesome. I loved this segment and her dance number with Jean in the, the dance studio. Mm-hmm. The little tap segment. I really did like that a lot. But this was awesome, because this, she had, like, several costume changes, but it was, it all felt like it was one take, because the camera was moving with her, mm-hmm. the can like, this was, it was really, you felt in there with her, it wasn't ever... The editing was spot on. Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell if there was actual edits. Even if I, like, go back and think about it, I don't think I saw edits. But I like it when it's that that feel of mm-hmm. just that flow and and you get that like right. excited if i had to do my uh musical presentation in my edit 2 class again instead of choosing newsies i feel like i would choose this this scene this was a very good scene now no newsies is awesome mm-hmm. this this has that but newsies is filmed exactly like this, where they do like the close and yeah. the wide, the close and the wide. Like this is where it comes from, <laughs> right here. You can thank Gene Kelly, apparently, according to his history. Yeah, this is this is yes. This it it felt it did I not. I love musicals. <laughs> I love musicals too, but it didn't feel it didn't feel like stagey. You know what I mean. It was staged. No, no, it oh, was. It was. Mean? I mean, it was theatrical mm-hmm. and 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 based in theater, but it didn't feel cheesy, stagey, kind of cheesy, like gimmicky. Mm-hmm. That's what gimmicky. Well, yeah. Well, people are so fixated on reality now, which is also becoming a gimmick. Yeah, I'm making not... all these like, I like superhero movies that do it well that base things in reality and have their own re- like their own idea of what reality is. Mm-hmm. Like, I really loved Daredevil on Netflix. I think it does it very well of basing that idea I saw a gift from that recently that I'm like, I should really watch this. It's so good. So these guys, they see the sign, and they're just like, well, pretty much, um, who is it, Gene Kelly? Yeah, Gabe, our character. He is just enamored with this lady in the picture. Yeah, and he's just, like stroking her hair <laughs> in the picture. It. Yeah. <laughs> But he reads, it has, like, a little bio of her on it, and he reads it, and this woman is the perfect woman because she can 
do all these things and she's like uh she can work in the home but she's an elegant socialite and she you know can paint and dance and do sports like yeah she's the perfect woman yeah i loved the she can she's a homemaker but she loves the high society swirl that's you (laughs) (laughs) what that's you and your ironing in your ball gown i don't have a ball gown one of these days my wedding dress isn't even a ball gown. Oh, after you use your wedding dress. I mean, you want to get more use out of it, right? Yeah, I guess. There you go. So they take the, the, the sign off and then step off the train, and then they walk right into her photo shoot. Yeah. <laughs> her random photo shoot mm-hmm. that she didn't look into at all. Right, yeah. She's 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 a real she's a real mystery character until very near the end. Yeah, you don't really know much about her. Yeah. Um and I guess people are into that. <laughs> um but pretty much uh she's just doing like a a promo, you know, photo shoot for being the, Miss Turnstile yeah. for the train company. And they they get the photographers get Gene Kelly to stand next to her, and he is enamored by her. He's in love with her. <laughs> but um, love at first sight for sure. She 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 she's got to run, so she goes and hops on the train, and then the guys are like, "Oh no, I have to find her." So they they leave the station and they catch a cab. Um, who uh, Hildy is our female cab driver, and I love when they're like, "Why are you still driving cabs? The war's over." <laughs> And she's just like, I'm not giving up nothing. Yeah, she's sassy, and I love her. Oh, and I love how she commanded Frank Sinatra. Uh, Frank Sinatra, like that was great. Like he was so caught up in being new in New York and yeah. and all this stuff, and she's just like, "You're mine now." Yeah, like, I I possess you. She was you. <laughs> like spider to bait to Frank Sinatra. She was like, "I'll give you guys rides. You have to sit up here with me." <laughs> yeah. His and, name is Chip, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, we don't learn his name until he until gets into the app. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name's Chip. So, um, their plan is right now to use the poster as clues to find her. It's a little scavenger hunt of so where she could be. So, they're going to go around to all of the museums. Yeah. Because she the supposedly first, yeah. works in the museum, or she's teaching, or she's taking painting and dance. At the museum. Right, yeah. Something about she loves museum. What's the closest museum? It's the Anthropological Museum. Let's go there! Which I did find out, um, they actually did shoot in the Natural History Museum. That was, where they did that whole dance number was there. The dinosaur wasn't real. No, no. But that, that whole segment is really in the, the real one. Were the props real historical no, items? No, okay. no, 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 They They did, like, a whole new set dressing to where they could actually interact with everything. But, again, mm-hmm. we didn't real we didn't know that Gene Kelly actually directed this movie, but he had a lot of influence. And I think that comes from being stubborn. Mm. Yeah. So, they meet... Uh, a gal there at the museum. She's working there. Uh, her name is Claire. Well, I didn't... Did we get her first name right off the bat? Because I didn't get it until, like... I don't know halfway when through. she says her name. But... At some point, yeah. Well, her name's Claire. And, um... It, there's this joke that that third guy, Ozzy, 
he looks like a statue of a caveman, and she's very interested in him for that reason. Yeah, he has a very Neanderthal look about him. Which, of course, they made the statue to look like the actor. Yeah. But it were, it, it was really funny, because she, like, turns around, he's standing next to the statue, and then she screams. Yeah. And must start taking measurements. Yeah, she wants to study him, calls him specimen. Yeah. Which I thought was really cute, because it became a thing throughout yeah. the whole the whole movie. So they do a number called Prehistoric Man. Which was awesome. Yeah. This She's one, like, I don't want no modern man. Yeah, it was really cute. She She started the song off. And then, like, it breaks out into this whole crazy dance number where they start dressing up as the... The The displays. The displays and playing on the drums and and everything while she's tap dancing and her her buttons on her skirt get, like, Mm -hmm. ripped open further and further up the leg. Yep. Until it's, like, at her hip. Yep. I love that costume. I love all her costumes. I love all the costumes. <laughs> it was a great movie. It is a great movie. This mm-hmm. is, it was great, guys. It's just great. Um. So, yeah, there's a big tap dance number, which is beautiful. Um. We can't describe it, but just like if you go watch it, we'll we'll see if there's clips. I'm sure there's clips on YouTube or mm-hmm. or something we can throw up on the Twitter. And at the end of the song, Ozzy accidentally knocks over the knee of a, the dinosaur skeleton there. Yeah. It's like a big brontosaurus. Yeah, he accidentally grabs the, um, I guess what, it looks like a little just wedge that goes in between the bone. It's to like keep an it opposite to- kneecap. Yeah, <laughs> it's a reverse kneecap. It's like somebody who put the dinosaur together didn't know how to put the dinosaur together. Yeah, and then it all falls down and they kind of just run out of there and they're like, whoops! Well, they stare at it, they watch as it collapse, <laughs> collapses and don't run mm-hmm. until, like, after it's all done. And then they're like, okay, we gotta get out of here. Yeah, um, and then the cops get a call about a dino getting knocked over by sailors. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, um, so... Claire is now part of our party. And we're running off together into Hildy's cab. Yay! And gained a party member. Chip has to sit in front again. <laughs> yeah. So then they montage to all the other museums until 1.30. Yeah. And they can't find her. So... So Hildy's plan is to split up. Yeah. She's got um some ulterior motives for the splitting up. I think Claire and Ozzy do as well. Yes. It's really only um, Gabe, who we finally learned his name, Gaby, mm-hmm. who is Gene Kelly. I guess we should go through. Chip is Frank, Gabe is Gene Kelly, and Ozzy is the third guy. Yeah, the actor we don't know. <laughs> the uncredited actor. Seriously, the beginning credits are just like, Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, yeah, and then all these other names. <laughs> but yeah, so they decide to split up into three parties, search parties. Mm-hmm. Um, to go find them, to go find uh, Ivy for Gabe. And Gabe decides to go search the dance hall mm-hmm. and tells everybody else, like, a general location to search. Yeah. Like, she likes art, she likes these things, go check it out. Yeah. But Chip, well, Hildy and Chip... We spend a little time with them in the cab, and Ship is like, okay, let's go sightseeing now. I'm so glad we're alone, because we can go see this 
the we can go have a tour of New York. Right. But Hildy sings a song to him called Come Up to My Place. Yeah. <laughs> Which was really funny because he Chip like really didn't didn't get the idea until like later on it was just like i want to see new york damn it well he starts reading things out of his guidebook and they're apparently non-existent anymore his guidebooks <laughs> from 1905 yeah from his grandpa mm-hmm. so they do indeed go to hildy's place and they're about to make out on the couch when hildy's sick roommate is home lucy <laughs> which was a great gag Cause she is like walking around with a towel on her head and she's going to, she's got like a, it looked like a heroin spoon thing with a flame under it, but it, I guess it was like a a type of inhaler back then. It's kind of like a modern dehumidifier. It's just to get the water vapor. Up in your, up in your nose. Right. Okay. It's prehistoric (laughs) water vapor. It didn't look like it. It looked like she was doing drugs. It did. Major drugs. So her and Hildy have a, a, a conversation. An understanding, really. <laughs> I don't know if it was an understanding. It was like a forceful, get out! <laughs> yes, Lucy says, I'm going to go to the movies now. <laughs> yeah. Because they go into the other room and then the door opens and she's already changed into her going out dress mm-hmm. from her robe. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... Hildy's standing there holding her purse and then just, like, shoves it into her chest and is like, get out! Yep. I must, I must play with my new toy! Yep. He's only, she's only got one day with him. Gotta make it good. So they do. Gabe has gone on to the symphonic hall and just for a brief moment, like, he misses her inside, which I was like, oh no, he missed her again! (laughs) But he's walking around and he's poking his head into, like, all the classrooms yeah all the classrooms and stuff um but then he does find her practicing her handstand ballet things she's practicing ballet with i believe is her guardian (laughs) her russian guardian her russian dance guardian yeah which wasn't creepy because she was a woman right there was no there was no guardian love (laughs) affairs in this movie thank you thank you god Um, so actually her guardian has stepped out to get more booze. (laughs) Who she hides in the coffee pot. Right. Um, and, um, Gabe comes in and she, he is, like, asking her out, like, all weirdly and she gets, like, offended by him. I didn't understand why she was offended. I thought he was being, like... I think it's because he wasn't... He was being more upper crust because he thought she was this... Oh, okay. Debutante. And so he was trying to be, like, more impressive and not, like, real. And she was just like, later, I have, I've got stuff to do. <laughs> and then he starts talking about... Right, his small hometown. In Indiana. Which, we, you can tell at the time, but it isn't revealed until later. They're from the same hometown. Yeah, exactly the same hometown. Yeah, because she's like, oh, did you say Meadow? Mid- Meadowbrook? Yeah. Meadow, whatever. <laughs> or Middletown. Middle, no. It was it, Meadow something. It was Meadow I think it was Meadow It was Meadowbrook. something where, I don't know how he didn't, I don't know how he didn't catch it, but yeah, they're from the exact same town in Indiana. Um, so, 
she apologizes and then is like, oh yeah, I would go out with you. Um, she's clearly lying about her past or who she is or what's going on. She's still like a mystery. Yeah. But she's like, okay, I'll go out with you. Um, but what would we do in, in your small town together? So um, he sings her a song called Main Street. Which was so cute. It was adorable. You could definitely tell that it was on, like, a stage of some kind because the room suddenly changed size. Yeah. The camera's a little lower so it can be straight on. Yeah. But it was... I thought it was just really cute to see, like... It was almost like him telling the story through dance again. And that's... I thought it was well done and cute. Right. They have another tap dance number. Lots of tap. Well... Jean choreographed. <laughs> I mean, there was some ballet as well, but they, in, in the main ballet number, they replaced all the actors with actual ballerinas. Except for Gene Kelly. He's like, this is my movie! Get out! We're not real dancers! Well, throughout the entire, like, all the dance numbers, I brought it up that you could really tell that he was the only one who was, like, a strained dancer. Well, everybody was really good. He, he was just natural in it. Yeah, I just... His posturing was It was good. always, like, my eye was always going to him mm-hmm. because of how he was moving. Whereas the other guys, like, Frank Sinatra's arms were a little, mm-hmm. like, all over the place. He didn't he's, have he's lines. He's a bit of a gangly guy. Yeah, he didn't have lines at all. So he wasn't mm-hmm. proper in his, like, movements. But, yeah, I, I just thought... That was, it's interesting that you can, like, pick that up Mm -hmm. just based on visual moments. So, she'll say, she says she'll go out with him tonight. Um, He asked her to meet her at 8.30. Um, But you can tell, like, she's lying. She's not saying something. But she's like, okay, I'll go. And then... He leaves for a second, and they're like, oh no, where, where are we gonna meet? And then he says, on top of the Empire State Building, which is where he's gonna meet the rest of the gang at 8.30, after everybody's done searching. <laughs> yeah, searching is the euphemism here. Yes. Other things are going on. Um, so he leaves, and her guardian shows back up. Pretty Well, actually, her guardian shows back up and kicks him out. Yeah. <laughs> and so he leaves, and she's like, I'm going out with that man. And she's like, no, you're not, you're working. I'm gonna write to your parents, and if you don't go to your Coney Island job and be there at midnight, oh... There'll be hell to pay! Uh, yeah, it was very... Somewhat... I didn't understand a lot of it, but I understood I didn't think her character needed to be there at all. Then what would... Right... Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. She could have had just, like, a boss that was like, if you're not here, you're fired. Yeah. Yeah, it would have made, like, a little bit more sense. Like, the only thing that I thought her character was useful for was getting him to Coney Island. Yep. Yep. I could see that. Well, she isn't in it very much. No, that's why I didn't think that her character needed to be there, because it just felt like, it just felt like a throwaway character to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we go to the top of the Empire State Building with Hildy and Gabe. Chip. No, Chip first. Chip and Hildy have a song on the top of the Empire State Building. I wrote down the wrong name. Oh. <laughs> Chip and Hildy. So I wrote down he sings her an insulting song. It was so cute, though. It was like one of those things that... It's called You're Awful is the name of the song. <laughs> Which is hilarious considering my shirt right now. Oh, <laughs> Awful, I love you. 
That's like what it should be called. Yeah, and that was like kind of the the theme was that he was saying you're awfully cute, you're yeah. awfully sweet, you're boring into my, my heart. heart. <laughs> like you say the first line, she gets offended. I thought the song went on way too long for the joke. Yeah. I was like, well, I wanted that. to get to Yeah. I wanted to get the gang back together sooner kind of thing. Right. Yeah. But I felt I did feel like we'd had a big moment with Ozzy and Claire. We've now had a big moment with Gabe and uh, Ivy, so we now need, we now kind of needed at least another resonant moment with Hildy and Chip. But they had the the Come Up to My Room song. They did, but I think it was just to kind of reestablish that they were... At odds? Well, that they, they had this cutesy kind of weird relationship. Yeah. Okay, so then, yeah, after the song... Everybody gets up there to the top of the building, and then the cops come looking. Well, is that, is that before or after their big na- dance? That's or... before. That's before, okay. The cops come looking, so they hide around the corner, and then they, they're they specifically looking for Ozzy. How they know it was him, I don't know. Because he looks exactly like the caveman. Okay. <laughs> So they hang Ozzy off the side of the Empire State Building. Oh! I forgot about this for a second. Yeah. And pretend to be, like, leaning up against Claire. They give Hildy a pair of glasses to hide because her boss is there. Yeah. Because she's stolen the cab. Because the gag is that she's supposed to be getting the cab back to the shop. Yeah, I don't know what more to say about that. I guess it was okay. It was cute. You realize that there's one cop who is kind of a little out of it and out there. Yeah. So then the cops leave, and seriously, if the cops came, like, any second later, they would have caught them in this huge dance number that they had on top of the Empire State Building. Which was adorable. This is where they sing On the Town. Yes. Which, like I said, not a big of a number for me. Not as good of a song as New York, New York. No, it didn't have that, that same impact, and they were trying yeah. But it didn't have the same... It doesn't have the same ring to it. But I think New York, New York, especially with the, the number, how they went about it and integrating all of the the actual filming in New York, I think that kind of has a big ring to it, too. Well, the song itself, All the Town, doesn't impress me. Okay. I was impressed by most of the songs. I thought... I don't know, it had this weird, it was like two songs in one because it had the shore leave blues kind of portion. Mm. I'm just like, let's go. I didn't understand the shore leave blues, like where yeah. that was coming from. I feel like it was just added in there because it was a popular song from the musical and they didn't want to cut it. So they combined them. Yeah, maybe. I could see that. So, yeah, I guess that part I didn't like about it. Okay, so it's 9.30pm and they're at the club Samba Cabana. <laughs> Samba Cambana. Yeah, I didn't get that. I, like, what is the Samba Cambana? Oh, uh, Cambana? Cambana? Samba Cambana? Yeah, it's like a cabana, but where they Samba. <laughs> <laughs> so, they're trying to get into the club, and the club's full. But I love that the girls, the ladies, the women, they they know how to work New York. <laughs> it's the same song that they're singing at each club. No, no, no. Not those. Not those. Our, our gals. Oh, yeah, yeah, How yeah. they get in, how they pay the maitre d' with money, and they say get us a table. Yeah. And treat uh, Miss Turnstile like a celebrity. celebrity yeah. Because at this point, 
the the boys don't know that Miss Turnstile isn't a big deal. Right. It's a side comment that we've heard between our two women that they're like, oh, they don't know that Miss Turnstile isn't a real thing. Yeah. It's just like a... It's like subway advertisement, pretty yeah. much. It's not a crown. <laughs> it's not a playboy. It's not a tiara. So yeah, they go, they go to the club. Then they go and they dance. We see more dancing with the... The first set of girls. Right. So they they drink to New York, and then we have, like, our first, like, sad moment between our lovers about not getting involved. Oh, yeah, the not getting involved yeah. song about how because he's a sailor, he can't be involved yeah, with a girl so far away. Because you, who knows if he'll ever see her again. Sad panda. And then they kiss. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a really sad but sweet kind of moment because he's like, I don't really mean it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then at 11.15 p.m., they're now at Club Dixieland. Um, yes, in each club they go to, it's the same... The same song and, like, the same... It's not... It, what I thought it was going to be the same, like, six girls, but in the first club it was... It was a like, bunch of white ladies. No, they were probably Latina because it's a song. There were club. a couple Latina, but there were yeah. white. And well, they could have been Latina. And then in the second anyway. Dixieland club, of course, they're African American women. And then the third one is a Shanghai club. So they're all Asian. All they're Asian women. Um, but at Club Dixieland, they're they're Gabe and um, Ivy are dancing cheek to cheek on the dance floor. And he's pretty much proclaiming his love. He's like, I didn't mean what I said earlier about, you know not being able to commit commit yeah i commit to you he loves her i choose you ivy smith yeah so um if this reminds me right now have you seen the movies like before sunrise and sam has i have not it reminds me of that because the people they meet for 24 hours in in paris and they have to go their separate ways Mm -hmm. and it reminds me a lot of that those movies are all dialogue-based, though, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Gabe actually sees, like, other Navy Navy people at this club. And he's like, oh, dudes, my dudes, let me introduce. <laughs> um, but it's 1130, and... She got to go. She got to go work. She can't get her letter written home to her parents. Because they can't know that she's a cooch dancer. Right. Which, that's what it was called. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, so, of course, he goes over to grab his friends, and she disappears and leaves a note. We don't ever find out what the note says. But it's something along the lines of, I, uh, I had to go. I had, like, a thing that I couldn't get out of. I've got to be there at midnight. Something Mm -hmm. along those lines, probably. Right. So, they go to the Shanghai Club. It's 1230 a.m., and Hildy has the idea to pair up... Gabe with her roommate Lucy and of course Chip is like ooh yeah <laughs> he knows what's coming cause she's still sick yeah Lucy shows up and she's very annoying and she's sick what I liked is that she's like kind of the annoying ugly woman but it's not like in the Mikado where you have like the friggin bearded freak of nature woman yeah where it was <laughs> she was she was relatively good looking and she she looked like a more normal woman. She wasn't as pretty as the other girls. Yeah. She was, the, like, the best friend trope. Right. But she had a really high and anno- annoying voice, and she was sick. 
So she kept doing these really obnoxious, loud sneezes. She was like Fran Drescher. Yes! <laughs> yes. That's exactly who I was thinking of, too. <laughs> anyway. So she shows up, and then Gabe tries to dance with her and tries to still have a good time and and all that but he is obviously still very hurt and actually his navy boys his navy boyfriends show up again and it's kind of embarrassing to be seen with lucy yeah because he had talked up ivy so much that now this is not it's not the same it's not on the same level he's embarrassed he's feeling crummy yeah so he goes and sits alone at the bar all forlornly with his cheek on his fist yeah um so they come the gang all rounds up and they say you can't be alone and then they sing the song count on me which i thought was another i really like this song this was a really cute number yeah because it was uh like trying to pep your friend up and like being all cute and frank frank sinatra is like you know I'm never gonna leave you, bud. And it was really cute. And, like, it's like, aw, you can, like, guys can be like that. Why can't they do it now? And it was a song full of puns, so who doesn't like that? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It was a lot of puns that Lucy wasn't understanding. Oh, poor Lucy. I actually like Lucy a lot. Lucy was cute, and I loved their little moment um, in the next bit when he walks her home. It's 12.30 a.m. now, and, um... Gabe is walking Lucy home, mm-hmm. and they get... You love this speech. It's it's a beautiful speech. It was, like, about how um, he believes that a go- there's only one guy for every girl, and that he believes that he's found his match, and that... He's sorry that he already met, like... He met her, met her before Lucy, and yeah. he was sad, he was upset that he she didn't have a good time, and or he showed her a crummy time, and she was like, "Oh no, it was a great time." And yeah, it's just like you'll meet your person. I'm sorry, I'm not your person because I've already found my person. It was a very sweet way to like express that rejection, yeah, like and and be truthful about it and honest. Like I'm sorry. I think you're a very sweet girl, and I think you're going to find that someday instead of this whole, like, rebuff rejection thing that it is today. It was just, yeah. like, very kind and and treating her as a person. Right. It was beautiful. Yeah. M- nicely written. And nicely performed. I thought Lucy, the actress, like, conveyed that, like, that sweet sweetness and, like, that, that little girl kind of haven't been... Uh, uh, on many dates kind of person mm-hmm. and so she was more excited about just being invited to be out yeah she wasn't looking for like anything like that yeah she was just looking to to be included yeah and genuinely she had a grand time yeah okay so then the next part is the part that could have been probably edited out yes um so gene kelly loves to do these like imaginary dance segments it's like Center Stage. That's another movie that does this. Mm-hmm. Where they go off into the stage and they kind of act out what's been happening. and But I think what it was supposed to be, it doesn't come off that way, is he sees this poster for this play and he's like, oh, that sounds like something that, that sounds like today. Yeah. And so he envisions what has happened today as a ballet. Mm-hmm. And... 
But for me, I'm just like, we just watched this movie, and now yeah. we're seeing it again as a ballet. I think it was just another one of those things to showcase what dance can do and, right. and all that stuff. That's why I didn't really, like, have a huge problem with it after finding out, like, the purpose and what he's trying to do. But, yeah, it could have, it could have, like, existed on its own. Right, yeah. It, as, as, this was, like, the slow part of the movie already, and this just, like, it stalled it. It Yeah, it halted it because we weren't getting any new information. No, we were just, and they were completely different actors. The only actors and actresses, it was all ballerinas and, and balladeers and Gene Kelly doing this dance number in three parts explaining the, the story. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't need the refresh. Um, the only thing that I could think that it may work is if there was, like, some sort of intermission when the movie was playing on its own, but I don't think there was. I never, I couldn't find anything about that, but, yeah, it could have, it could have been chopped. Mm-hmm. It could have been, it could have been one of those things that they used as, like, promotion for the movie, but. Yeah, so then, uh, his friends find him again, and then they, okay, this part I kind of missed a little bit because I was writing down notes about what I thought about the thing, but they run into the Guardian at a bar? Yeah, they're going to another, like, club bar thing, and they run into, uh, Ivy's Guardian, and Gabe recognizes her and is like, dude, where's my girl? Yeah. <laughs> like, where is she? And she says that she's on Coney Island. Doesn't say where, doesn't say, like, Coney Island is a big place, right? Mm-hmm. So just saying she's on Coney Island is not very helpful. He's just, like, going to, like, Navy Pier. It's bigger than the pier here. Yeah. I thought it was big. Yeah. I don't know. I've never been there. I, I as we've like, established, I have never been to New York. Plus, Coney Island got... Didn't it get destroyed? Yeah, yeah and the, the hurricane. So it's probably not what it was. I mean, what they showed of it, it looked Right, huge. it looked as big as, like, Navy Pier, but with more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but then there's, uh, the cops. Okay, they come out the, to go to the cab, and then the cops are there, and they recognize them, and then there's this whole big cop chase. Yeah. For whatever reason. So there's the chase. And they hide under a fruit stand. Which was a hilarious gag. It, it was, was cute. very well done. And it was, from what I could tell, it was all the actors who mm-hmm. did that. So it's like, oh, that's kind of awesome that they were able to pull off this gag. Yeah, they did a bunch of stunt work, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, so then they make it to Coney Island, and right away they see her dancing, like, right there on the main stage doing some sort of, like, Arabian Nights number, it looks like. Yeah, she was all decked out in her, her tool. Mm-hmm. Her purple and It was like Princess blue. Jasmine, you know, like, the, the American... Yeah, blonde Princess Jasmine. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, they instantly see her, and she, like, runs backstage, and then he goes backstage, and they have, um, a talk where he doesn't care what she does, he just, like, wants to be with her, and then she reveals that they're from the same town. And she's bawling about it. She's like, I'm so sorry I lied to you, and he's like, oh, honey, it's okay. Yeah, I'm just so happy that you're from the same town as me. You can understand, or we can, like, meet each other again. Yeah, he was just so worried about losing her and never seeing her again. Yeah. It's a bit of a Harry Met Sally moment. Um, and then the cops show up. For, yeah. How did they get all the way, they tracked him down to Coney Island. Somehow. Um, this is where I didn't think, like, the, the gag just didn't, it didn't pull off. 
Right, yeah. If the movie was getting slow before, it's it's seriously, it's on, it's on that decline. Yeah. The girls dress up and hide on stage. The boys dress, dress up, up as girls. In the drag. And their stage manager tells them to go, go on and, you know, get the money, shake it. Yeah, it's awesome. So they they start dancing on stage. I love the trope where if it's like a musical or something where they can dance, like in reality these people have been performing the whole time, but if they have to like dance in a reality situation, they all of a sudden are terrible dancers yeah. and can't dance. <laughs> like I, I do enjoy that trope. No, I think it works. I think it works especially in musicals because I think the way that we, we view musicals, at least the way I do, is that the music is like your inner mm-hmm. your inner thoughts and right. your inner emotions and that and it's being expressed in some magical musical world whereas the reality is reality and right. this is what's going on. That's exactly how I feel. Oh good. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, I enjoyed that. They they the cops start watching their little peep show. Yeah, and enjoying it. <laughs> there are some people laughing when it's realized that these are dudes. Yeah. And then the the skirt falls off Ozzy and reveals his bell bottom. Yes, <laughs> he's he's shaking it a little too hard yeah. as his his inner or his uh, the longer skirt mm-hmm. falls, and yeah, you can see his bell bottom. So they start chasing around, and this becomes like a, a kind of like a Marx Brothers yeah. routine of just gag after gag, like physical it's gag after so physical much gag. Chasing now, and then the then our three guys. Jump into and hide into. Unfortunately, it's the shore patrol van. It's the van that's come to pick them up. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Come on, guys, let's hide in here." And then they close it. It's a little too Scooby Doo. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it worked. I thought it was kind of funny, but it's getting a little too, a little too on edge for me here at this point. Where they're just trying to just like, okay, and then they're we trying can do this. to finish then, it. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a rush job. But then the gals save the day. Yeah, they they petition the the cops and their uh, the the people around them to um to raise money or to like sponsor them so that they can get their last kiss. Yeah. And so I think it's pretty much like pay their bail. Oh, okay. Maybe I I actually don't know what the point of them raising yeah. money was, but they were like convincing that all the charges were pretty much fraudulent and to take pity upon them because they just want to get their last kiss in. Yeah. So everyone does. Yeah, they tell a good sob story because they're they're wonderful gals. Yeah. And uh, so everyone hops in a cop car and are taken to the docks. The docks. Which we have our sandwich. <laughs> yeah, because the docks are, we've already established the docks in the beginning, and now we're reestablishing the docks with the same construction worker who's so singing. So you know what time it is. Yeah. Singing the same song. And then the girls come, and they give hugs, and the guys get on the boat, and then at 6 o'clock again, and more guys come off the boat, and the new guys start singing New York, They're New York! York. <laughs> It's a wonderful town. Movie reminded me somewhat of Serendipity. Okay, I have never seen it. It's 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 actually on our list. Hopefully, someday in the future, it's got John Cusack and somebody else. Where um, you sh- you would really like Serendipity. This two people meet, um, but then have to like go their separate ways. But if they find certain clues, and it's in New York, that lead them to each other, then they were meant to be together. 
Okay, that's cute. It's much better than the way I described it to be. I think for the this kind of I think established because I felt I, I felt the romance. We mm-hmm. felt we had the comedy, and this is like kind of established those all encompassing like romantic comedy kind of genre tropes mm-hmm. kind of thing where where you have these these individual stock characters that you can pull from and because uh, we haven't really had we've had we haven't had things that felt like the tropes that we have today right yeah that's why i feel like i can think of so many movies that this reminds me of yeah because i think the thing that's great about movies is that they pull from so many different sources and so many different references and it's kind of built off of the knowledge that that everybody has kind of grown up with which is why it's frustrating sometimes to see things fall back on what people learned not to do mm-hmm. and but I think that's what's cool about it also is because it's always changing it's always learning it's always growing in certain aspects and I think that's a good good thing and I like to see different things being pulled from different things or mm-hmm. things that work to be brought in to kind of made better is it was called the most inventive and effervescent musical thus far produced in Hollywood. From what we've seen so far on Netflix, Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that's, that could be, I could see why that's being said. But I feel like this is before, well, I feel like you would say, like, and then they're gonna put out Singing in the Rain, and then Singing in the Rain is gonna take, yeah, yeah. Singing in the Rain is definitely, that's what you think of when you think of It's what you think of when you think of Gene Kelly. It's what you think of when you think of just Hollywood musical. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's the epitome of it. Nothing has taken its throne yet. My last note I wanted to add of trivia was that Frank Sinatra had a padded ass. Really? (laughs) That makes so much sense because it popped, like, (laughs) you could definitely, like, see the crease of where his ass crack was. (laughs) I was not looking at his behind, but he was so thin that they padded him up in his... Well, yeah, because sailors have to have, like, sailor butts. Oh, really? They are on their feet all day, and they have to know how to swim. They have Mm -hmm. the swimmer ass. Oh. (laughs) I get what you're saying now. I will rate this movie four New York guidebooks. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to rate it... three and a half... (laughs) Goblets of glass. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) I loved that joke. She picks up the beer and she's like, yeah, it's just what I wanted. A goblet full of glass. Because it was like, half of it was... Half of it was the bottom. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay, um, so thank you for joining us on our Flash Backwards, but... Uh, next week we will be continuing on with 1953's How to Marry a Millionaire. Yes. So we'll get to that someday. You know. <laughs> stop adding movies, Netflix. Damn it. I'm really glad we went back to watch this one. No, I think it was important to to see because it adds to the progression of the history. And, and we can definitely see where things started mm-hmm. for, for the genre. Great. Yeah. Okay, you guys can uh, listen to us and download our episodes at thecutaways.com. You can rate, subscribe, and leave us comments on iTunes. And you can contact us on Facebook and Twitter at Cutaways Podcast. Yes, please do. 
We feel lonely when you don't talk to us. Please talk to us. Oh, oh. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this one. We'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!